0: We started a series on uh, really using our five senses, and the first week we talked about our sense of hearing, and we spent a little time looking at how hearing can be so necessary in salvation. It's very important that we hear the Word, that we hear the salvation plan, and, and, and that we hear through His Word and through preaching. It's also very important for obedience. You know, how how are we going to obey something if we don't know it, if we don't hear it? And today we're going to look at another one of our senses, and it's certainly just as important as hearing. Some of you may say even more important, and that's the, the sense of sight. Now, Sight is something that a lot of times we just, we take for granted. Now, I've got a couple of friends who are hearing impaired, and and one of these, well, actually both of them, they have hearing aids, and if they're not looking at you, it's more difficult for them to understand what you're saying. But we have a young man that's been a friend of our family for a long time, and he has this degenerative disease with his eyes and was Andrew born with that or did they have okay so he he was born with this and I mean to look at this young man you might think there's absolutely no physical impairment with him at all he is this very strong handsome young man but he doesn't see well in fact if you were to go to a restaurant with him uh, if you if he were to get a menu this is what he does and he'll have that menu right up to his face because that's what he has to do to be able to see it. And it always, it always kind of uh, um, struck me when he would, go, he would go watch movies at the theater, big, huge screen, and he would go see movies and enjoy those. Now, his ability to see those things would be different than my ability to see those things. But we, we do take our eyesight... For granted. Now, if you were to go back and look at the pictures of me from six years old on, bless my heart, because uh, I had these really big glasses. You know, so from very young, I had bad eyesight, and, and obviously bad taste in eyewear, because as I look back at all the pictures, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I'm, surely my parents accompanied me there. I don't know, but I remember this one little pair of black glasses that had little silver rockets on the side, and and that was one of the good ones. Uh, but as, as I got older and got into my teen years, um, my ability to pick out glasses got worse. And I was, uh, I remember this one picture where I've got these, it's like a marbleized color, I don't even know, I don't even know how how you would make that, but but I had these, what I thought was cool at the time, these lenses that when I go out in the sun, they would turn dark. So I had these instant sunglasses, and I can assure you that it didn't make me look like Tom Cruise, (laughs) because... It's, it's a little bit hard to imagine now, but when I was a teenager, I had a lot of hair, a lot of hair, and, and I, for some reason, thought it was okay to part it down the middle and to feather it back like some injured bird. So it was, a, it was beautiful. So this is why when my children look at the pictures of our wedding pictures, they ask that question, Mom, why did you marry dad and it's it's a fair question because if we're just going on site (laughs) thankfully thankfully Jennifer was able to find something within my heart that was better than the way that I looked so that's good now in my in my 20s uh, I was my eye doctor suggested to me that I go to Atlanta Georgia to get this surgery called LASIK has anybody ever done that surgery? Yeah. Okay. And, and so somebody back there? Good. And the funny thing is, right now my eyesight's so blurry, I'm not really sure who, who, just, who, just, who just raised your hand, but maybe you did Maybe? Okay, good. All right. So it's, it's time for something else. But, but LASIK was this surgery that my doctor told me that if I would just go get this, that I wouldn't have to wear glasses, I wouldn't have to wear contacts, and it was going to correct my vision. So I went down to Atlanta. I actually got to watch somebody get this surgery. There was, I was in a room with about, I don't know, 50, 75 people. And we watched on this screen an actual surgery happening. And the person that just had the surgery then walked out and talked to us and let us know, hey, that's no big deal. And so, so I went and had that surgery, which that was interesting because in this particular surgery, they they get this little clamp that holds your eye open, and there's a machine that, that actually cuts your eye, cuts a little layer, and then they peel it back. And when they peel that layer back, for a moment, I lost total vision, could see blackness. Now, that was a little bit scary. Thankfully, the doctor had told me this is going to happen, so I, I wasn't too panicked. But once they once they peel that layer back, then the laser does its little click, 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 after that surgery, as soon as I sat up, I had 20 20 vision. Now, my eyes had to heal a couple of days because they had to put that flap back over, and so I had to make sure I didn't rub my eyes and I had to wear this beautiful patch over because uh, we did one eye at a time. But for quite some time, for years, I had 20 20 vision. Now, the doctor also did tell me that eventually it's likely that your vision's going to slip. and if that happens, then you can come back for an enhancement surgery, which I had to do. I went back and I had this uh, enhancement surgery. But it got to the place where I couldn't go back and do that again because the thickness of the cornea or something, you know, they're, they're shaving away at every, every time. So another thing my eye doctor told me is when you get to your 40s, you're probably going to have to have some sort of correction in your vision. Something that happens when we get a little older. And so here I am going along just fine, 2020 20 vision through my 30s, and then the 40s hit, and I had to get some correction. I didn't want to go back to glasses because at that time I was, <laughs> I'm not really an athlete, but I like to. Attempt it. I like to play, and so, um, and so I, I get. To, I had this group of guys that we'd get on on Sunday afternoons, and we'd play ultimate frisbee. And I almost died a couple of times, but it, it was still so much fun, and I loved it. It was some good workout. But I hate to get out there and do that with glasses. If you're trying to run, you're, you're running, and the glasses are going. And so I decided to go with contacts. And and it's it's, it's this point. As of like three or four years ago, I was able to wear just one contact, which I have in this eye. And I'm finding out now in my 50s that I'm probably going to have to get at least two contacts, maybe more, because now things are becoming blurry again. But here's the deal. The reason I'm telling you all of that is that we don't just wake up one day and things, it's like, oh, yeah, I can't see that. It's a gradual thing. Now, one of the most difficult things for me is... Driving at night. Yes, I know. Yes. I, I, I love it. Oh, I forgot to ask you if I could tell this, and I hope you're not going to be mad at me, Elizabeth. You're not going to be mad at me. Um, because just a couple of weeks ago, we uh, normally I like to ask my kids if I can tell stories about them so that I don't hurt their feelings and have to go through treachery when I get home. So, uh, But this one, uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I was driving my girls over to Nairn because they were going to... Uh, they were going to babysit for Pastor Luke, Miss Sarah, and as we were going, we took these little back roads that I should—I had no business being on. <laughs> and and so Elizabeth took my phone and she's navigating for me and she's watching on the maps and she's just, she's saying. Okay, there's going to be a curve to the right. And so we made that curve. And she said, okay, you're going to go straight. And she was giving me all these navigations. But then in between her navigations, at one point she said, I really should have gotten my house in order because I don't think we're going to make it back home. And (laughs) I love it. It's one of my favorite lines. And so I said, you know, we've got to keep our house in order at all times because we never know when our last day is here. So... Our eyesight its not something that just, that just happens. It's a gradual thing. And we know already that we are walking through this dark world that is so full of sins, so full of distractions. And if we don't have keen spiritual eyesight, it's very likely, even though we didn't, that we could run off the road. And that we could cause major damage. And it's probably good that Neil's not here hearing this since it's his card that I'm borrowing right now. So. so, as Christians, many of us have really lost a measure of clarity. For some reasons, some of us are not spending enough time in the Word. Some of us are not spending enough time in prayer. And because of that, our vision is slipping because we constantly need to look to the author and finisher of our faith. Just as I needed to go to that eye doctor and, the, and the, my eye doctor wants me to go there every year for those checkups. We don't need to just go every year to the Word. We need, this is a constant thing because if we are not spending time with our Creator on a regular daily basis things begin to slip. And it's God that can make our vision clearer. I want us to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. This says this, and we'll get to the qualities he's talking about in just a moment. But he says, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So today we're going to look at how our sight is, just like our hearing dealt with salvation, our sight can deal with our salvation, our activities of life, and our eternal perspective. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you, God, that you are with us, wherever two or more are gathered in your name. And God, we thank you for the this, this sweetness of your presence that we've already sensed this morning in worship and in communion. And God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts from your word this morning so that we can hear it see you clearly and do what you say we thank you in Jesus name amen John 1:29 We're looking here at John the Baptist he saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world See this morning we we took communion together but Part of our issue in letting our spiritual sight become dim is that we lose sight of who Jesus is and what he actually did for us. We lose sight of our need for a Savior. So John the Baptist here is introducing Jesus for the first time, and he very clearly says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, there are some people today that would say that we don't even need, we don't even need Jesus. Or at least we don't need His forgiveness because at the end He's going to make it all right. He's going to bring everybody into that place of forgiveness. But if we, if we look clearly into what the Word says, then we get a different picture. This is why it's so important that we don't just take one or two or, 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 th- or Scripture out of context. We need to look at what the Scripture says and we need to consider it and ponder, meditate. John fourteen twenty one says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love love him and manifest myself to him. Do we see Jesus on a daily basis and see him as our Savior? Because if we don't, if we don't see him on a daily basis as the one who saves us from this crazy world of sin, then we are losing, even slowly, our sight. Because what should happen is when we get saved, when we ask Jesus Christ into our lives, we profess Him with our mouth, we believe in our heart that He is the Son of God. At that point, we should be looking to Him and not relying on the the things of this world. It's a different kingdom. Luke 9.62 says, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So with this, you know, we're, we're looking at this, and we can't just say, well, I'm, I became a Christian just so I can go to heaven. Now, it is a reward. It definitely is a reward of following Jesus. Because from what you read in the Scripture, that at the end, as much as we don't like to think of this, There are going to be people who are going to enter into heaven and there are are going to be people because they haven't believed on Jesus Christ as Savior who are going to have to be in this horrible place called hell. And that is a a very inconvenient part of Scripture for, for a lot of people and even for a lot of believers because we don't want to think that a loving God would allow that to happen. Our goal after we receive salvation to be to tell as many people as possible what in the world would we do if, if you suddenly realized that the house next to you was on fire. I mean, I think that we would be doing everything we could to make sure that there was nobody in there that was going to burn in that structure. I would think most of us would do that. And if, if nothing else, you would know, be calling to get the fire trucks there to get somebody to be able to put the fire out. 1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that it might be seen, that they were not all of us. Now, all of that, it's kind of the same phrase over and over But it's once again saying that there are people that we are going to be believers in Christ, and there are going to be people who are going to not choose the faith. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus in this world where there is so much out there. There are so many even maybe Christian celebrity people that we would hear that are preaching things that are not in accordance to what the Word of God is saying. So we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. In fact, Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the cross was not the joy. He kept his eyes on the joy of knowing that he was going to be in eternity in the presence of Father God. That is something that we should be thinking about from time to time to make sure that we're more able to make it through the things of this life. There are so many things about this life that I do love. So many things. But there are so many things about this life that are just hard, just difficult. And God himself knew that we would have those difficulties. Jesus told us that you're going to have troubles in this world. You're going to have troubles, but to take heart, because Jesus said he has overcome the world. So how is our sense of sight this morning? And does it need some correction when it deals with salvation? Let's look at how our site will deal with some of our activities of life. And there's a number of activities that we could look at. uh, And I, I don't even want to point out anything specifically this morning because I really want this to be a time this morning where you and I are asking God, God, what is it? Is there something that I am doing? Is there something I'm participating in? Something that I am watching or just something I'm doing that is not in line with your word, something that is not bringing joy to your heart. 2nd Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 has something to tell us about holiness. And he says, "But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare." Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. So we are told in the Scripture, basically, none of us know. None of us know when Christ is going to return. And furthermore, none of us know how long we have. You know, I have been at funerals of... Elderly people and people who I would consider way too young to be gone so soon. None of us know how long we have. It's so interesting to me that none of us know if we've got that next breath. The only person that I've ever been in the room with when they drew their last breath was my mother. Ah, Precious, precious saint. And I, I remember how... Unusual in some ways it was, and how almost awe inspiring that last breath and as I stood around the the bed with my my sister and my dad, my brother was not there he he had just uh, he had left the room, and I remember her taking what we thought was her last breath, and we were so sad and then Just a few seconds later, there was one more, and it caught us by surprise in such a way that we actually laughed a little bit because we thought she had already passed, and there was that one more, that, and then my mother was gone. Now, because of our hope in Jesus and that salvation, I can talk about this without being incredibly sad because I believe that I'm going to get to see her again, and I believe that I get an eternity with her. But we never know how much time we have. And so he says, since you don't know this, since we don't know when he's coming back, since we don't know how much time we have, that we need to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to God. We need to live our lives in holiness. Matthew chapter 8, we read where he pens, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, today as we ask God, God, what is it? What area of my life is not pleasing to you? What area of my life is bringing you pain? Can you imagine us actually causing pain to the heart of the Father God because He loves us so much so that He gave His Son Jesus and He is calling us to live holy lives. If we are looking to Christ, our lives should be bearing good fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So ask yourself, do I see this kind of fruit in my lives? In my life? 2 Peter 1.9 says, He that lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off. He's forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. 2 Peter 1.5-8 says, Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity, For if these things are in you and abound, they make you that you are neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was these things, way back at the beginning of this today, that Peter said, if we lack these things, we are blind, cannot see afar off. Because we've forgotten that we were purged from our sinful nature. So, if we get a true vision of, of Jesus who saved us, it's going to change the way we behave. It's going to change our activities. So this morning, in, in, in fact, just a few moments, I am really asking you to inquire of God. What areas of my life, what activities am I participating in that are from the old nature? From the sinful man. So let's look at this in light of evangelism. One of the things that we are called to do as believers, we are to go and spread the gospel and make disciples. So we take the gospel to people and we are to make disciples. John 4.35 says, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. If we look around at our world today, folks, I think most of us would agree that evil is escalating. Yeah, I watched the the video clip from, I guess it's some American Music Awards, Grammys. That's what I did, the Grammys. And... And when I watched that clip of, of the guy out there dressed in the the devil, I mean, I guess he was supposed to be the devil. He had the horns. He was in red. And all the stuff that was going on that these people were celebrating. I mean, to hear that crowd clapping and yelling, they were celebrating it. And it's it's definitely not a clip we would show in here. Because it's vile that our world is celebrating this kind of behavior. So we can look around and we can see the fields are ripe. There are so many people that need to hear about the goodness of God. On the train ride back from from Aberdeen to Elgin, I I was going to go get a seat by myself. And and I saw this guy sitting by himself and I asked him if it would be okay for me to sit with him. And we had a very nice conversation, but it eventually, and I was determined that eventually we were going to get here, uh, we did get to talk about faith. And this, this is a guy that I think most of us would say, Man, he's, he's a good guy. He's got good morals. He treats people well. He was very polite. But he does not trust in Jesus for salvation. In fact... To him, Jesus is just a guy who did a bunch of good things. And he loves the teachings of Jesus. But he he said that he's really more into the Middle Eastern type religions and believing that we are one with the universe. And we, we had an interesting conversation. And it got down to, because I did invite him to come to church with us because he's going to be in Elgin for a few days. And he told me, that I probably won't see him. But so we got to the end, and I'm just, so like, you know, if if I am wrong with what I believe, then, you know, chances are you're going to be okay. But if I'm right with what I believe, then it makes me very sad for you. And that's really pretty much where we left it. But there are so many more people like him that we are passing every day. I think about it all the time. Now, I don't stop and talk with everybody, but I think about it all the time. When we're going to grocery stores and we're passing people, I think about it. We passed a young couple last night, and I know we look at our outward appearance sometimes, but I looked at this young couple, and they were, they were wearing all black and had chains, and, and I just I wondered, has anybody ever spoke to you about the love of Jesus. And then, I mean, it was several people that we passed, and I, I wondered that. And I didn't stop in the store last night to do that. I have before. But I want us to get to the place where when we, when we sense the Spirit urging us to, or prompting us, even that little nudge, to speak to somebody about our faith. The Scripture says, fields are ripe for harvest. One of my favorite things that happened at the men's summit this uh, past weekend was on Friday night there was a man who came with a friend to this thing and he realized his need for salvation and he gave his heart to Christ on that night. And on Sunday morning, he wanted to be baptized. Lake with alligators. I admit to you, I was so happy, even though I'm called the, the pastor of Project 200, there was another pastor, a little my senior, who volunteered to jump in that water, and I did not arm wrestle him for it. I, I, I let him have it, because as he jumped into that water, it, it was cold out there, folks. It was very cold. But I watched this man get baptized into that cold alligator lake, and He came up and 95 men out there just celebrating. And then another man who just a few weeks ago had given his heart to Christ that I've been, I've had the opportunity to walk along with him in discipleship since then. He decided to to get in that water as well. So we had two men that decided that they wanted to make public that decision to follow Christ. But it's because somebody took the time To share Christ with them. Both of these guys, they have somebody that they can look to right now that decided, hey, I'm going to share this good news of the gospel. So we see that if we're going to have the proper sight, we need to see who is Jesus, and we need to see how people really need to hear it. But so much of it deals with our perspective. Now, we're going to watch just a very short little video here, and in this video, I want you to watch, you're going to be told to watch how many times the, the team dressed in white passes this ball. So if you can just keep your eye on them, and we'll see if you get the number right. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! Stop it! Don't let him say the it. The answer yet. is oh. thirteen. Oh, he did it. Sorry, I didn't tell him to stop it. Okay. All right, how many of you got? All right. How many of you got thirteen? All right. Now, how many of you saw the moonwalking bear? Okay. Let's, let's let it go. Let's let it watch this. See the moonwalking bear. <laughs> It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Of course, that was, that was a commercial for bicycles, but when I, I saw this, it's easy to miss something you're not looking for. When I saw this, I thought, how appropriate is that to our perspective? First time I saw that video, I'm just like most of you. I wasn't so keen as John was. I did not see the moonwalking bear. I am counting those passes from the white team. But yet, right there in front of us (laughs) was a person dressed as a bear doing some moonwalking. And it's easy to miss things that we're not looking for. So, folks, if we're not looking for people who need to hear about Jesus, we're probably not going to find them, even when they're right there in front of us. If we're not looking for opportunities to comfort someone, to help someone, how can I help you? Then we're probably not going to, we're probably not going to experience those opportunities. 1 John 3.2, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him For we shall see Him as He is. It may be difficult for us to even grasp that. That someday that we get to see Him just as He is. You know, we're doing what we can because the best way that we can get to know Christ is through His Word. I think it's the best way. I do know that there are stories right now of people that are in different countries who are having personal visitations from Christ himself, and I believe it's happening. But in the meantime, and if, if that never happens for me, I am going to be in his word to find out who is, who is God, what is his character. But then he doesn't want us just to keep it to ourselves. He wants us to share it with others, but how are we going to share it with, with others if we don't even train ourselves to look for what's in front of us? Our real hope is in Christ. And if we truly believe that our real hope is in Christ, shouldn't we be sharing that real hope with someone else first thessalonians chapter 4 verses 16 through 17 says this the lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the lord and this is something that we can look forward to folks I believe, according to what I understand about the scriptures, that this could happen any time. I believe that we really are at a place in history where we could be the ones to re- to see the return of Christ. Now, having said that, I understand that there have been other generations who have who have believed the same thing. That okay, we could be the generation, but there. There was a generation that was the one that actually saw Christ born in human form. That generation that got to walk on the planet with him. And there's going to be a generation that will see him return in the same way that he left. It could be us, folks. And if we really believe that that's the case, our perspective would be different. We'd be seeing things Differently, We would be looking for that field that is ripe for harvest and we'd be seeing how much of it could we harvest on our own. So, if we were to find out that our eyesight is deteriorating, we were probably looking for ways to get it corrected. When our eyes become dim, we'll, we'll go to the eye doctor. We're going to get contacts. We're going to get glasses. We're going to uh, get a surgery to remove whatever it is that's keeping us from being able to see. So why wouldn't we want to do the same thing for our spiritual life? Because it's so, most, so much more important, it really is, it's so much more important that we're able to see with our spiritual eyes. There's a, a singer-songwriter named Jenny Owens, and she's blind, but she writes some of the most beautiful songs. And it just struck me one day as I was listening to her to sing, listening to her sing the song called, Be Thou My Vision. And to think that this beautiful young lady who cannot see physically is writing that and singing, God, be thou my vision. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus asked a man, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Jesus said, Go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. During our prayer time this morning, I want us to ask God this question God, what is it? What is it that I am doing in my life that I've allowed into my life right now that is keeping me from seeing you as you really are? God, is there some activity that I am enjoying, that I am participating in, that is a barrier between me and you? And God, this week, will you help me to focus so that I don't just see all the busyness that's going on around me, but would you lead me to someone that I can share the gospel with? someone that I can share my faith with. Because folks, really, what should be happening is that everybody in here, we should be sharing our faith with somebody. And even if it's just one person that we're walking with for a period of time, walking on that faith journey, we see that's what Jesus did. He went from one person. Well, we see with his disciples, he, he had quite a group. But he tells us to go and make disciples. So as we close this part of the service this morning, I want to invite you to do this. Whether you decide that you want to come kneel in the altar, you can use your chair as an altar, you can sit, you can stand, you can walk around. It doesn't really matter because God really cares about the position of our heart. Sometimes I will kneel or sit just because I, I want to physically, I want to physically get into a position where I realize that, hey, I'm not all that. And I want to humble myself. You know, the scripture tells us that we should humble ourselves. Never should we get to the place where we need God to humble us. We need to humble ourselves. So, those two things this morning, as we pray, would you do that? Would you ask God to reveal to you if there's any activity in your life that we need to lay at the cross and then ask him to, help, to take you this week to a place where you can focus on the people that he wants you to share with? Like we're going to just take a few moments to hear from God. Father, we thank you this morning for visiting with us. God, we lay down at your feet this morning those things that have been displeasing to you. And we purpose in our hearts to live our lives in a way that will bring you honor, that will bring you joy in times where people are seeing us, in times where we're all alone, God. We want our hearts to be pure before you. And so this week we ask also that you would help us to be able to see clearly the people that you place in our paths. And God, we purpose that we will not just walk by, Holy Spirit, when you prompt us that we will, even if it feels uncomfortable, that we will take the time to share the love of Jesus with the people that you bring in our path. Help us to see clearly, Lord, so that we're looking at the right thing We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Elgin Community Church, we're going to be soul winners and we're going to be disciple makers from the youngest to the oldest. And let's see what will happen in this year, 2023. Let's see how many people that God will direct us to people that we're going to have in our homes, people that we're going to invite to church, people that we're going to meet at coffee shops with, because we're going to be about the business of making disciples.